Hello, Guru Fateh. Welcome to the SIPCAST. Thank you for being here. My name is Manpreet Singh. We are here to introduce a brand new series on our podcast called 12 Gurus from 1469 to Infinity. And with me for this podcast series is going to be Indipreet Singh. Indipreet Singh, thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for doing this series with us. Thank you, Ji. Vaheguru Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ki Fateh. So, uh, Indipreet, before we uh, get into this uh, new podcast and explain what it is and what we're doing here, um, I want uh, all the listeners to get to know you, um, how long you've been with Sikri, a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into the podcast. Sure, not a problem. Thanks, Manpreet. So, uh, <clears throat> I think we've done a podcast in the past before as well, um, but for, for those that are regular listeners, maybe have heard of me before, but... Um, my name is Indipreet Singh. I uh, live here in the Boston area. I've been in the United States for probably 30 plus years. Prior to that, um, I actually grew up in Japan as well. So we're six from Japan, kind of. Uh, I've spent some time in India, of course, boarding school. Uh, also, also, when I was a little kid, five years in Canada. So, so been been around the world uh, a, a little bit but my sick uh, background is is coming from uh, you know the family and um I, I really started getting um more aware of myself my sikhi my guru and 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 our community probably during my college year, years when i came to the states professionally my background is I used to always say I'm 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 a security or networking guy, but uh, nowadays I'm the classic IT uh, type of guy. So a lot of different um, uh, areas in the IT world and the high tech world, and uh, I have a wife and two young young daughters. We're all here in Boston. My parents are here as well. I have uh, siblings all across the world. So. Um, that's kind of my professional. So from Sikri, believe it or not, I've been with Sikri since almost the beginning. So probably I remember my first seva at Sikri, you know, doing this this kind of similar thing of sharing my my uh, passion, learning and sharing a Sikhi passion. It was probably 2004, 2005. And I'm a pretty much a permanent fixture at our our flagship program, Civic, where um, I facilitate the Sikhi 101 course, which includes uh, basically a full um, interpretation and Santhya Vasakiwar. So I've been doing that for many years uh, with Sikhi. I'm obviously on the board of directors, so involved with the mission and vision and and you know, ensuring that we have the right uh, resources and capacity to further our, our mission. Um, so yeah, I've been uh, and you know, I was asked to to you know do this with you. I'm really uh, um, on the one hand very excited, but also a little nervous because I'm I'm by no means any kind of expert in 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 this subject matter in history. It's more of just a sharing of my. Yeah, you know, passion and and my meager understanding of this. So, but I'm I'm still excited to be here. So, thanks, thanks a lot for doing this, Manpreet. Yeah, for sure. Hey, you're my expert. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's all good with me. So, twelve gurus, fourteen sixty nine to infinity. Give us a little bit of background on like so, Sikh Research Institute. We want to talk about the twelve gurus. Uh, why we want to do it now. Uh, 
what is it kind of, also the importance of history in the life of a Sikh. Uh, so talk about that a little, please. Okay. Yeah, that, no, this, that's good. And probably some of your listeners are wondering why is it titled The Twelve Gurus? Um, on, on a personal level, you know, my, and on my understanding, you'll have a lot of academic interpretations of this, but uh, my personal level and feeling is there's only one guru, the guru, right? Um, but the guru takes many different forms. Um, the guru starts with the Shabbat guru and, and then the forms of Guru Nanak all the way to Guru Gobind Singh, the ten, ten forms. And everyone knows probably growing up um, that, that we get taught in uh, the Khalsa schools, there are 11 gurus. There's the 10 gurus and then the Guru Granth Sahib. And what gets forgotten in a more holistic view is, is the Guru Khalsa Panth. So the, the double sovereignty of Guru Granth and Guru Panth um, is, is often forgotten. And that's where we get really the number 12, uh, which is Guru Nanak to Guru Gobind Singh Ji, which is 10, you know, uh, persona gurus. Uh, then the Guru Granth Sahib, which, uh, as, you, as I said, is sometimes kind of 11th, and the 12th being Guru Khalsa Panth. So we're going to go through... Uh, these 12 different forms of the guru from primarily more of the historical perspective. And, you know, last year we had this series on uh, the 52, uh, 52 weeks, so on a weekly basis, delving into the Shabbat guru, the Barney, right? So, um, and as a continuation of that kind of holistic view of Sikhi, the, what we understand, uh, sometimes we say and within the Sikh Research Institute, we call it the Gurmat framework. It's Barney is the foundation, right, the, the, the scriptural tradition, uh, Tawarik or Itihas, uh, which, is, which is history. And then, who knows, maybe next year we'll do a, 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 a podcast series on, on Rehat, you know, our discipline or, or, you know, our contemporary understanding of the culmination of Bani and history. Um, the history here is more focused on the, uh, the guru history, right? There is from, and you cannot talk about Sikh history, in my opinion, without having some kind of interplay with the Guru Granth Sahib and, and the divine revelation that has been given to us. And even that has some indication to us as what's the importance of history. And there's a well-known um, uh, Gurbani Tuk that we quote a lot. M many others, many learned Sikhs will also quote, quote that. It's Babaniya Kahaniya Put Saput Karim. Um, what what is saying the kahaniya the stories right so stories of the bab of our babdes of our of our ancestors right of of the and in this context it's all talking about the gurus so the stories of the gurus their life history would would transform us from regular children into what's called progeny into into well established well developed children. And that's really the, the the purpose of stories in in our life as well, right? I mean, there, there are we we learn history in in school. We learn uh, we we learn about the history of our families, where our families came from, and it's always the elders are are sharing with us their experiences or the experiences of what their ancestors, um, uh, you know, uh, experienced. So, uh, in the context of Guru Granth Sahib, is in addition to the divine revelation, when that divine revelation got transformed into an actual life in the form of the gurus, that's the model of what that, what that Bani has been 
transformed into reality, something that we can see, witness, hear, um, model, and therefore mimic and, and use in our own lives as well. So that's where the importance of history is, that it, it actually brings, solidifies the sometimes very difficult to understand esoteric experiences as, as revealed in the divine poetry of Guru Granth Sahib. It actually brings, ah, that message of the Guru Granth Sahib is modeled, is shown by this guru doing XYZ or that guru doing ABC type of stories. Another thing to note, um, Professor Puran Singh says, uh, in, in, a, in a particular quote, he says, the, the history of the Sikhs is still a closed book. It's really not been written. Um, the, the Sikh history that has been passed on from generation to generation is what he calls bosom to bosom. Or in Punjabi, we might say, sina basina chalda. So, um, you know, our, our grandmas, our grandpas, our aunts who, who in, back in the day were telling us stories before we go to bed, and now in this day and age, what what our excellent Khalsa school teachers all across the world are teaching the kids, um, that's where whether it's an academic uh, rendition of Sikh history or it's 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 their interpretation or their PR that's been put into it, but they explain the stories. That's what keeps the connection of of the community and the kids the kids alive. So. Um, I think that covers what are the twelve. What what is really this? And and this, oh, the, the last part about infinity, right? Fourteen sixty nine, obviously Guru Nanak's birth to infinity is the history of the six continues to be written. The Guru Khalsa Panth, the Guru Granth Sahib are the eternal gurus, eternal guru. So uh, there is no the the chapter of Sikh history started with Guru Nanak and continues. That that's essentially uh, the the context of how we're going to present, you know, um, the the twelve the twelve forms of of the gurus. Great, great. And so before we get started, let's also talk about a little bit about just the sources where we're getting this information. Just in case anyone listening wants to go read it, wants to go double check our work, uh, just so they have a place where they could go and reference. So maybe you could just name some sources of where we're getting this information to share with everybody. Okay, that's that's a very, I mean, you know, just the sources of information for Sikh history uh, could be a, you know, a whole series of, of podcasts, multiple hours. But but let me let me be very brief. So the very first, at least, I'll make it personal for myself, right? For me, uh, the 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 first time I can remember being interested in Sikh history, and I also kind of alluded to it, is is was stories from my grandma, um, uh, my, my Naniji, uh, for sure. Um, and then, you know, um, I, I had mentioned to you uh, that I actually did spend some time in India um, in kind of my years of, of where I would be potentially learning. So I still remember to this day and because I and I remember these books because I've seen them actually in some of the Khalsa schools so 30 years later, oh, no, more than 30 years later, <laughs> 40 plus years later, there's a series of books on the Sikh gurus from uh, uh, the Hemkun Press. Uh, that was what was taught in Guru Hakrishan Public School back then. So what is the authorship? Who is the author of that? I don't know, but that, that's for me where my initial 
long-term memory or sources of where, where Sikh history came from. However, in the context of generally, now we bring it back to more Sikh Research Institute and, and any serious practitioners of, uh, or, or uh, students of Sikh history have to start with um, the various Janam Sakhis. There's also another genre called the Prakash uh, genre. See, so you, you maybe hear of Pant Prakash, Suraj Prakash. Um, the Janam Sakhi's authorship is is all all over the place. Uh, maybe not as popular as many people may have heard, but the Pant Prakash, Sri Guru Pant Prakash, is Sudaratan Singh Pangu. Uh, Suraj Prakash is uh, uh, Mahakavi Santok Singh. So those are those are. Uh, I would say, what was it, 17th or 18th century um, uh, renditions of Sikh history for the first time being being put into pen, pen and paper, uh, like a much broader level. So it's post guru guru time period. Um, there's also a, a different schools of Sikh history that come from what we may have heard of. So Janam Sakhis are focused on Guru Nanak. But then there's another genre of Sakhis, Parchi, and Aki. There's all this different amount of text that we have available to us, right? I am not, I'm not a, a, a scholar of that, as I've said, because language is very difficult. Primary Braj, uh, the Janam Sakhis are more Punjabi. The Prakash series and others are in Braj Bhasha. So, but where I have then been able to delve deeper and what we also share within Sikh Research Institute are more uh, English uh, authors, authors that write in English, people that may, many, many have heard of probably is Jagjit Singh, Teja Singh, Ganda Singh, Punjabi authors like Paivir Singh, uh, Professor Puran Singh has written in both Punjabi and English, and there are probably many, many more. Like yeah, the, the, the sources of Sikh History um, uh, material can fill up probably you know half the library now. Now, so so there's no way to really go to one uh, recommended source. These are some of the names that I've thrown out. Uh, there are many different versions uh, of, of their books, and there are probably many other authors as well. Now, I have to give uh, a shout out to uh, my good colleague and our CEO of our, our organization, um, Indikor G. She has started rendering Sikh history in the form of her series of uh, Journey with the Gurus, which are uh, reinterpretations of excellent work from Paivir Singh in like uh, the Guru um, Nanak Chamatkar series. So, so that is now also I've actually read them. So I, I use some of those stories when I when I share uh, episodes of Sikh history as well. So that's where I'm getting it from. No, great. Thanks uh, for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, let's start and. Uh, start off with Guru Nanak, please delve into this, let everyone know uh, about uh, Guru Nanak and a little bit of history, a little bit of Gurbani, I, I see from the notes here. Uh, so yeah, please begin. Right. So yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> one on, another um, uh, source that I'm going to use um, as we go through the, you know, 12 months worth of, of delving into Sikh history is um, there, there are kind of two um, well-known Sikhs that are merged together um, 
in in a in a uh, this this little booklet called the growth of responsibility in Sikhism. This is a this is a small booklet written by Professor Teja Singh, and just as a reminder, on on our our Facebook uh, feeds, we're doing Thursday thoughts with uh, uh, Principal Teja Singh. Sometimes known as Professor Teja Singh, sometimes known as Principal Teja Singh. So he's written this book, and it's about the ten gurus, in which the title of each of those chapters uh, has something to do with things like humility, submission, dignity, service, self-sacrifice, justice, compassion, clarity, composure, and courage. So they're very, very specific terms. These terms come from a piece written by another uh, a Sikh from the time of Guru Nanak, who many people maybe know or don't know, his name was Painanlal Goya. So he has written a, a piece called the Ganjnama, in which he goes and, and goes through the uh, attributes or the descriptions of all of the ten gurus. He was a contemporary of Guru Gobind Singh, right? So, and he, even though all the gurus have all these attributes, the highlight of, of the attributes of the gurus are is, is done in such a way. So there are ten core values, um, starting with humility and ending with courage. And Guru Nanak, for, for some reason, and we should maybe evaluate, you know, dwell on that. He he tags with Guru Nanak the the value system or the virtue of humility. And you know, then it progresses on. So someone who is hum is humble, and this is how Professor Teja Singh renders it. Then they only know what is the method of submission. And someone who knows how to submit has a well good understanding of equality, etc., etc., etc. That's how it goes along. So Guru Nanak, and I always used to think, how or why? I mean, I know all, not maybe not all, but I know many stories of Guru Nanak. Where was the humility of Guru Nanak showing? And, you know, recently it struck me, and I think, uh, Manpreet, you were talking a little earlier about uh, Ikunkar, you know, where, where Ikunkar is coming from. And that was Guru Nanak's way to present to the humanity what is the divine, right? And, you know, you can, you can uh, there's, there's these little uh, videos online on, on uh, in Facebook, some you know, in your feed, you might see where someone gets like um, it's a picture of of a person on on like a street, and then Google Maps pushes it all the way out that you're you're in a satellite view. Then the satellite view changes to like looking at that Earth from a different planet, then from a different solar system, and then going way beyond in the universes. And we're we're part we're a little speck or dot within the Milky Way. You know that whole story or the series. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure many will. You Google it and you'll be able to see of how small we are, how small the humans are. So I think Guru Nanak in presenting this divine integrative force that's not like a can even be described as like a god in heaven or a, you know, um, like an idol uh, or a murti of, of some kind. There's just the, the Vaigru that is beyond description that is only realized by virtues or na of Nam. That's Guru Nanak's bringing to the humanity this type of description of Ikonkar is what makes him really 
the essence of humility. It knows how to how to both, I guess, theologically explain humility and also live a life uh, of, of 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 humility as well. So now, what are some examples of that? Right. So, his divine revelation is is exactly that. Uh, um, and there's a specific episode that. Many have probably heard as they've been growing up that Guru Nanak was uh, in his late 20s, uh, almost almost 30 years old, one f- and in this town called Sultanpur Lodi, one fine day on the bank of the river when he goes every morning to 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 take his uh, his bath, and he does not return for three days. So he doesn't return for three days. And this is where I'll introduce two of uh, very important people in his life. Um, he had so many people that he interacted with and, and interfaced with, but uh, the stories go that the two people who never doubted that he was gone, many people thought, oh, he drowned, he's dead, he's, he's, he's never coming back. Two people that didn't doubt it were, one, his, his companion, Paimadanaji, and second, his sister, Bebenanki. So they kept hope. They kept uh, waiting for, and on the third day when he returns, there was obviously joy and jubilation. His family and everyone in the town uh, rejoices. And that is what what is generally accepted in six circles as the, the, the time frame when he really started on his mission um, and, uh, you know, started spreading the message. The story goes, of course, that he uh, would repeat, uh, you know, the, the, a term or, or a phrase called Nako Hindu na Musulman. Right? And many people didn't understand it. And that's when, you know, he then expands it through his, his great journeys that he went across um, all uh, breadth, top and bottom of, of the South Asian continent, all the way into uh, mid, the Middle East. And modern research is saying even beyond that, maybe even hit the edge of Europe as well. So um, that happened in a place which is called Sultan Purlobis, where that revelation actually began and, and it happened. Um, I want to uh, now one thing as we're going to present all the different gurus. Um, I do want to share that everything that we and know about or have heard and even, uh, you know, our, our will study about Guru Nanak or any of the gurus, we will see always had some sort of impact on the religious elite of that time as well as the political elite of the time, probably even the economic elite. I mean, which, which in those days was all mixed. The, the political and religious you know, uh, powers of that time were always conniving with each other for what for to, to get power over over and oppressed. And and Guru Nanak's even even nonchalant, mundane type of actions were always, you know, didn't didn't bode well with those that that were in the elite. And the very first example. So I, I spoke about what is in his 30s, but there are many major major episodes in his of his life. Um, when he was a young young child as well, and the very first so-called so so to speak altercation with the religious elite was everyone knows as the Janeo Walisaki, so the rejection of the Janeo. Should, should we spend a little bit time on on that one because that's 
pretty much like every Sikh history book or every story of Guru Nanak covers that. I don't know if we, we should go into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about it because people think uh, when I used to hear the story when I was little and grew up in a, a Sikh household, uh, it didn't yeah. mean that much to me. But back in the day, this was a big ceremony and Guru Nanak rejecting it was a big deal. And so it took a lot. So, yeah, I, I think we should definitely, uh, please, uh, let's definitely talk about that a little. Right, right. I mean, obviously, uh, speaking about Guru Nanak, I mean, he was no ordinary being. He was divine being bestowed with the, uh, or with the realization of the divine jyot, right, the divine light right from the beginning. So uh, books will tell you, oh, he was very um, uh, thoughtful, always uh, kind of aloof in prayer and this and that. But, but you know, imagine the ceremony is being, the picture of the ceremony is being painted in, in front of you. Um, there's a lot of hustle bustle going on in the in the house when a ceremony like that happens. Uh, there's a feast and mithaiyan are being made. And I'm taking a lot of this from uh, the journey of the Guru's book as well. And uh, and, and but in all of this, when a serious Pandit Hardial is 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 reciting the shastras and saying now it's time to put the put it on, out of the blue he says, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 before you put it on. Now imagine in any kind of even like an Anandkar ceremony in our gurdwaras or any ceremony that's happening. Um, everything is going. P- people are like kind of, nay, nay, nay. We shouldn't disturb the flow. Let it, let it, let it just go smoothly. He has no problem, you know, just disrupting the whole ceremony. He says, wait, wait. Why don't you just explain to me what what's going on? Uh, and if I, uh, you know, if if it makes sense, yeah, then let's proceed. <laughs> so, so a young a young boy telling a well-established pundit saying just just explain to me and and then the typical scenario where the the pundit gets uh, frustrated at his question at his series of questioning essentially over here he's doing two things number one he is bringing to life the message of the Guru Granth Sahib in which it's a very very uh, often quoted message jalo asi vit jitme pyara visre. So let's burn away those rituals in which love for the divine is not not being uh, emphasized upon, or you're forgetting that the for love for the divine, because his his logic there was that this thread is not going to instill in me virtuous qualities. My actions are what causes me to be either a virtuous person or not a virtuous person. This thread by itself, you know, jalvi janda, it can burn it. When when it gets bad, you have to put in a new one. But it doesn't really change me as a as my me as an individual. And he was so so he was he was um, basically condemning thoughtless rituals. And on the second hand, because the Janeo what it represented was a caste hierarchy, he was rejecting any type of um, you know. Uh, uh, forced upon a hierarchy, which was what the fundamental foundation of the of of the of the Brahmin and the and the four castes were. So it's a it's a direct rejection of the religious authority. At the same time, um, a a hey, think of, have, have more, the the rituals in itself. The, those are that's a that's a standard debate that goes on in all camps that I've been as is, is a ritual to do X or or, or Z, but the thoughtlessness is where 
um, he, he was against. So, again, uh, there was a Gurbani that been brought to life and has been, like you said, in all Sikh households, this Janeul Ali Sakhi is, is really, really um, kind of a foundation of, you know, then, then the next uh, stories along the way um, <laughs> really kind of expose more, more of that style. Uh, of of um, of how Guru Nanak acted and how his message got across. Um, I do want to tell you one more Saki, which gets completely the, the idea or what was the lesson behind the story gets completely lost in translation. It's a very famous Saki. We even have a Gurdwara um, that commemorates it, and this is the Saki or the story of Panjasang. So in in uh, uh, a region in Pakistan today, or it's Western Punjab, called Hassan Abdal. There's a Gurdwara called Punjab, and everyone knows that there's a rock, and supposedly there's the imprint of the hand of Guru Nanak there. So, very very popular story, told to many many kids, and I actually made it a point to uh, tell this story in a very um, <coughs> kind of uh, amusing manner to my kids in in, in their early in their early years. But what I what I what I didn't emphasize the rock itself. But here's here's what the story is, and let, let me spend like two three minutes on it. The, so it happens to be that Pai Mardana Ji and Guru Nanak have been traveling, and you know Pai Mardana in the Janam Sakhis is always kind of the one who is the uh, you know, kind of initiates the the whole conversation. And he says, Guru, Guruji, I'm really thirsty. Guruji says, All right, go up and why don't you go drink some water from that. Uh, that place up on top of the hill. He goes there, and there happens to be a, a well-known um, Muslim saint, you know, well-known Muslim holy man from those days called Wali Kandari. So Wali Kandari kind of is kind of popular in that area. By Madana Ji goes and is a, wants wants some water to drink, and Wali Kandari refuses. And uh, Pretty, pretty perturbed. By Mandanaji goes back to Guru Nanak and says he he didn't he didn't let me drink any water. He says go go back again and ask him nicely. <laughs> uh, goes he goes back and Valikandari you know just refuses to allow water to be given and uh, if, and says that if your if your master is so so great referring to Guru Nanak that you know let him uh, get get the, the water for you without having to disturb this. One thing led to another. The story, the, the, the details don't matter, but the point is that at the end, eventually water was given freely, right? Not only to Paimadana, but it turns out that Walikandari was refusing to share water with the villagers down below, which is also, he was on top of the hill in Punjab. If you go today also, it's quite a little hilly area, and now there's free water flowing in the stream. Now, there are miracles associated, miracle uh, definitions or, or, or descriptions of miracles associated, but the point of the matter, which I tell the kids, is this was the first story that you can relate to, which is a challenge or, or a, a challenge of authority that controls our water rights. So water happened to be... And in every Sikh Gurdwara you go to, water has a, has a very, and we'll talk more about it in, in the subsequent Gurus, has a very central place in, in Sikh. Uh, is something that was denied to people. 
Guru Nanak over here is challenging any kind of denial of water, which is a natural resources that should have full access to people. We should even tie this in our later years as the kids grow up with the the uh, agitation that is still happening in Punjab regarding our river rights as well. It all, from my perspective, that's the value of the Sakhi there. It gives us a model by which we must continue to struggle to ensure equal water rights to all. And, and sure enough, when I asked my daughter, well, what, was the, what was the lesson of that Sakhi? He says, we should share with others. So it's just as simple as that in the beginning should now get refined in our agitation for water rights for all should continue. That's the value of Sikh history. That's the value of Guru Nanak's story in this context. Uh, that's a great lesson. In my 36 years, I've never thought of it like water rights until right now. So that's a great point you make. Let's. Um, I also wanted to talk about, because, you know, sometimes I Google Guru Nanak and different gurus just to see what's going on, what are people writing about him. Let's, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about his Udasis because they were pretty famous. And, uh, I mean, I've seen this on the Internet. I don't know how true it is. But says, uh, Guru Nanak was the second most traveled man uh, in the world by foot. So, I, But I know his, his Udasis, he traveled all sorts of places. You know, in school, you just learn, you know, Punjab and, you know, what is Pakistan now. But he actually traveled to many, many places. So maybe we could talk about that for a couple of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, where he traveled is uh, pretty phenomenal and amazing. I mean, obviously, in in this day and age, you know, we basically because of air travel, things are a completely different context. But back in those days, where of course there were ships, there were horse, you know, other other means of transportation, but primarily it was all on foot, and. So Guru Nanak is in, as we, uh, for those who know kind of the, the, the map of the South Asian continent, he's up there in the north in Punjab. And we know for a fact that he went all the way down to, in those days was called Ceylon, which now is Sri Lanka, right? A very, uh, um, so, so one thing which you'll, which you'll read about Guru Nanak, wherever he went, he, let, he didn't force any conversion. But it is it is well established that people, whatever their faith background would have been, whether it's Hindu or Muslim or even other, they got completely transformed and they they became his disciples. And uh, so um, Sri Lanka, the king of of that region, definitely became his disciple. Then all the way, and now you're looking at east. So Assam would be pretty much all the way east, even towards what uh, modern-day Bangladesh, uh, Burma. You know, many Sikhs, uh, diaspora Sikhs reside there today as well. And there are uh, places that commemorate the, the, the visits of Guru Nanak over there. Um, then in the north, it is well established that he was basically what is in Tibet today. So in, uh, north all the way into Tibet. And also the very famous uh, Gurbani, uh, section of Gurbani in Rag Ramkali called Sid Ghosht was his encounter with the Siddhas, the Sid Yogis. And that was way up in the mountains. So again, north uh, in the Himalayas. Now on the west side, we we know 
Now, by the way, there's academic historians, what I call, and then, you know, our Sikh historians, which begins with by Gurdasi, um, have reference to his visits to Mecca uh, in, in Saudi Arabia. Um, modern, some modern day research is also establishing his his visit in uh, up to Turkey and maybe even beyond. Uh, right, Istanbul, Constantinople was the well known kind of um, bridge point between the eastern and east between the east and west. So, so there's some evidence that modern day some people are pointing towards uh, Constantinople. But before at least uh, on the Pai Gurdasji's Vara. And his first var is all about Guru Nanak, um, has reference to him being in uh, Mecca and Baghdad as well, which is Baghdad. So that's the breadth and depth. But with the impact he had, Manpreet, is 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 pretty phenomenal. Um, and I learned this many years ago when someone, uh, I'm kind of jumping to 1699, <laughs> Guru Gobind Singh Ji's time frame, but we, we all know the Panj Pyare, and only one of the Panjpyare happened to be from Punjab. The rest of the Panjpyare um, were from places in South Asia that Guru Gobind Singh Ji never traveled, but Guru Nanak Sahib did travel. And when the summons came that hey, there's a, a, going to be a large gathering at Anandpur Sahib, and it came from, in the name of Guru Nanak, the, the, the devotees who had established themselves as six of the Guru, they saw in Guru Gobind Singh Ji, Guru Nanak was the one who's summoning them, not not Guru Gobind Singh Ji as a different being. It was the one jolt of of all of, all of the Gurus. So my point is the impact for 240 years later, approximately, there's still the you know Guru Nanak six who have, are no different than Guru Gobind Singh Ji six, right? What has been imposed on us, unfortunately for, I don't know if it's uh, on purpose or at least from the academic view and, you know, without doing the proper context we get taught in our Khalsa schools is that, oh, Guru Nanak was the peaceful Sikh, uh, peaceful Guru, You're right? After the Shahidi of Guru Arjun Sahib, then the Sikhs transformed, their Gurus became militant and Guru Gobind Singh Ji was the militant Guru, um, which is a, a huge fallacy both from if you look at the historical um, you know, development, this is the growth of responsibility in Sikhism that, that SA have been talking about, as well as direct injunction from Gurgansa, which, uh, which denotes that Jot Oha, Jugat Sahi, Sehkaya Pher Palatiye. This is in the Var in Ram Kali by um, Satan Balwan in the, from the Guru Granth Sahib describing you know the the uh, um, ascension of each Guru up to up to Guru Arjan Sahib saying that what happens with the Gurus was that the divine light the Jyot and the Jugat the the methodology the way in which they live um, uh, happens to be the same Jyot Oha Jugat Sahi and what really only changes is kaya. Kaya is another term for body or form. Fer palatiye, the form is the only thing that changes. So um, the breadth and width of Guru Nanak's, Guru Nanak's journeys called Udasis, which are like Odysseys, was huge, but even more was 
his impact on the on the people that he encountered on the way there. Um, and Gurnanand was great when he when he actually visited these places. So can you imagine walking all over the place? You enter a village, and it is said that Gurunanak used to actually on purpose uh, initiate conversation without him actually initiating conversation. What I mean to say is there's a, um, I, I had read, I think it was in Professor Teja Singh's uh, books again, that he would on purpose wear a leather apron. He would carry a Muslim prayer carpet and, you know, the little lota that the, that the yogis carry and have different kind of costumes on. And, you know, back in the day, imagine walking into a village and they see this person along with his companion, Madana, and the first thing that would come out of someone's mouth is, who are you? Now, Guru Nanak would then smile, sit down, and sit down, let me tell you who I am, <laughs> and, and, and share with them, whether in song, whether through Kirtan, or whether through discourse, and start um, explaining, you know, beginning with the Ikkonkar and uh, what, why we are all on, on, on this earth. So, so Guru Nanak going and traveling so much. Again, I can't vouch for he's the second most traveled man in the world. Or, but in the context of the Guru, I can tell you Guru Nanak was the most traveled. And believe it or not, when we hit uh, the sixth Guru, uh, Guru Hargobindji was the second most traveled. Um, at least more, most constant traveling going on was Guru Hargobindji. So this was his his audacity. Now the biggest you know question for both I think Eastern scholars and even Western scholars is Guru Nanak is traveling all of these places. How did he communicate with people? I mean, uh, and obviously he grew up in the Punjab area. He uh, we all know that over there language was was very fluid because uh, Punjabi all of the different dialects, every 25 miles the dialects are changing, but there are also m multiple languages itself, obviously beginning with uh, Persian and Arabic uh, uh, of the region. But when he went down to Sri Lanka, what language did he speak? When he was in Tibet or when, uh, when he was in Makkah or Assam, all the languages, so that is the mystery that scholars have not been able to really nailed through documentary evidence, etc. And so these are things I, I want to present that there's obviously documents and, and uh, you know, uh, readings and books that refer to Guru Nanak's experiences uh, and how he, and where all he traveled, etc. But for me personally, so this is my own personal, I am a firm believer, I have the faith that the gurus were Sarabhukala Samrat. They were basically masters of all arts. And um, I, I see no issue with Guru Nanak knowing all these different languages. Whether he was bestowed on it from the, uh, because of his, become him being divine or whether he was able to learn them uh, during his journeys. But one of the most uh, ways I present that, you know, dilemma to academic scholars uh, really is, well, he did speak the one language that all 
peoples, regardless of region, regardless of country, regardless of, of background, they know, and that was the language of music. It is well known um, in Sikh, uh, Sikh Visa, our, our Sikh understanding, our Sikh uh, uh, belief system, that when Guru Nanak uh, wanted to share a, a message, uh, there was a divine revelation that, that was happening. So there was a direct connection with the Ikonkar and the divine. And when that would happen, furthermore, he would basically point to Mardana, who was always his companion along the way, and say, Mardanya, Rabab chair, Bani Aye. So start, start the Rabab, start the music, um, the the Bani, the, the revelation is coming. Um, and many Poncho uh, Ekirtaniya, uh, you know, they, they basically presented this way as well, that you know what, when Gurbani came, it actually came in rag, it came in, in, uh, in a musical rendition and then was shared with the people. So, and that language, by Veer Singh explains it in, in Punjabi very well. I was reading uh, a while ago by uh, uh, Veer Singh's Guru Nanak Chamatkar, and I kid you not, he's spending two to three pages on explaining the environment and the kind of music that Guru Nanak was was sharing in one in one of the sakis. So so the emphasis on Guru Nanak being able to transcend all languages and connect with people through music is what made again Guru Nanak's travel so easy to do because he was able to communicate with the people wherever he went in their language, starting with the language of music but also also the other languages that were needed. Um and it was uh, Mardana, you're saying, was with him. I've heard, uh, I think Pai Gurdas mentions Mardana too, but I know in popular Punjabi music and even stories now, uh, Bala is mentioned. So where did Bala come from and what's up with him, <laughs> pretty much? <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting one. It's, it's, uh, I, so there's... I'm going to sh I'm going to share with you facts that I know that I've read, and then a little bit of opinion as well. So th the fact of the matter is uh, this whole all of Guru Nanak's stories, uh, Guru Nanak's are, are are from the genre of literature called Janamsakis, right? So Janamsakis, as I said, they're varied authors of who are the ones who wrote the Janamsakis from a Sikh perspective, the history. First, first uh, kind of um, a, a text that gets a lot more weight than than any others is by is obviously first Guru Granth Sahib, but then by Gurdas because Guru Granth Sahib also is not a book of history, is not a book of stories, uh, but has uh, references to historical events. By Gurdasji's Vara in Punjabi. Um, actually, ha are, are, have multiple parties, multiple vars dedicated to historical events, and, and done done in a in a very also divine poetic way. So you are right in that there is the famous line. It says, "Ik Baba Akal Roop Duja Rababi Mardana." Um, there's no mention of Tija, you know, Bala or anything like that. That doesn't exist. There's also a specific uh, 
uh, I don't know if it's a pori or a var of Pai Gurdasji, in which the whole paragraph is just a mention of names of individuals that were well-known during the time of Guru Nanak. And the uh, mention of Bala does not exist in that. So that's on Pai Gurdasji's vars, and there's no evidence. And then we come to the Janam Sakhis. There's... Um, you know, um, how, how should I explain it? So so there are, Janam Sakhis is the genre, but the authorship of it uh, has been given particular titles. And let me just give you an example. There's one of the Janam Sakhis, which scholars believe to be the oldest written one, so closer, much closer to um, the times of the Gurus. It's probably uh, the uh, late 1500s. Uh, is called Puratan Janamsaki. This Puratan Janamsaki also has another nickname. It's a very interesting story. We don't need to get into all those details. It's called Vilat Wali Janamsaki. Vilat, literally, the foreign, foreign Wali Janamsaki, because it just so happens that when the British were, you know, kind of taking over, one uh, manuscript of this Janamsaki ended up in some British museum in, in, in England. And in only in the late 1800s, so around 1880, after a request and, and, and I don't know if there was a protest, but definitely with, with lots of demand, that manuscript was returned and came back to Punjab. So that is the Puratan Janamsaki, and uh, that is uh, what our Sikh historians, modern-day historians, have kind of evaluated as you know pretty. Uh, authentic, so closer because it's the oldest one. Then there's another uh, set of Janam Sakis, another genre of Janam Sakis that come during the time frame after Guru Arjan Sahib. So you uh, will get into it, but Guru Arjan Sahib's brother was Prithi Chand. Prithi Chand's son was Meherban. And so the Meherban lineage um, also, because they still wanted to accept that Guru Nanak was their you know, um, they're from the lineage of, of the gurus. Uh, they wrote extensively Janam Sakhis and life stories of, of Guru Nanak. So very interesting, another corpus of set of Janam Sakhis. This, there is only one and only one Janam Sakhi, which is called Bale Wali Janam Sakhi, by Bala Di Janam Sakhi. That, and in all of, oh, what I meant to say, in, in the Pratan Janam Sakhi, in all of the Merban Janam Sakhis, there is no mention of Bala. But if some, uh, it so happens, uh, it seems like it's the time frame, what, what scholars say is a post-Guru Hargobind Sahib period that a Bala Wala Janam Sakhi shows up and in that Bala is also presented in some of the stories. Again, lots of work has gotten into this. There are, um, the McLeodian School has done uh, a... Um, a lot of research on the Jamsaki tradition. Uh, the quote-unquote anti-Mukhlaudian school has also done it, the Pantic-minded. The modern-day, uh, like literally contemporary, uh, I think PhD students have, have been working on that as well. So without going into all the details, all I know from a factual perspective is that there is one Janamsaki called Pai Balewali Janamsaki where it shows up. Now, now the question really I think you're asking is, how, if that's the case, and there's enough, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with having that diversity of, of different types of Janam Sakis, 
why is Bala Janamsakhi becoming, or Bala being also um, part of the stories of Guru Nanak becoming so popular, even in our Khalsa schools? I just had a discussion at, at one Khalsa school recently that they're teaching um, who are the best friends of Guru Nanak by Mardana and by Bala is their correct answer, like on a, on a Guru Nanak trivia question. So why is Bai Bala becoming so popular? I mean, do you do you have a point of view on that, Manpreet? I don't, other than he's mentioned in some Punjabi singer songs when they talk about oh, Guru Nanak. Okay. Well, I didn't know he was mentioned in Punjabi singer songs. That, that's interesting. But uh, again, just now I'm now I'm talking my opinion. I, I really haven't understood it, uh, except the only thing that I can deduce is so. In my personal belief, by Madana Ji was a Sikh, whether whatever his background was. But his background was Muslim. So Pai Madana Ji was uh, from uh, the Muslim faith. And Bala happens to be, in the Bala, in all stories presented, happens to be from the Hindu faith. So it's a potential, again, opinion, that maybe someone wasn't happy that, hey, a Muslim was like the best friend of Guru Nanak. And we got to kind of balance this this out. Um, that, that's as far as I'll go with that with that question. Um, but uh, at least I gave you a little bit of factoids that there are different kinds of Janamsakhis and there's only one out of the large um, corpus of Janamsakhis which mentions Bala. There are other texts after that, also, uh, you know, uh, late 18th, early 19th century that then starts mentioning Bala a lot more, but the original origin of it comes from one specific uh, book, Janamsaki. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for uh, diving into that. And so I know we're running out of time, but um, many of the gurus, I think maybe all of them, but I'm sure uh, I might not be uh, right, but they founded cities and Guru Nanak founded Kartarpur. Uh What's the significance of that? Why did he want to uh, find a different place in a, in a and establishes base there. Okay. Yeah, so um this this theme will continue with all the gurus, but I want to I want to present one thing that should be clear. Right? In in for the six, for us, the guru was not a mere spiritualist or 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 religious or religious personality. Um uh, the guru was 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 holistic. So for what, what one thing that Guru Nanak did and all the gurus did, they actually redefined what religion is, and what religion is for for the Sikh is not. So so what uh, rituals were having, you know, the Janeo ritual and all the other, you know, throwing of the water for Guru Nanak was not. That's not religion, uh, right? Religion is actually for Guru Nanak both re- religio political. It was it was the combining of both, uh, just like Jyot and Jugat, you know, divine light is what inspires the, the action and the methodology. Um, any any spirituality within must must define also your actions or your political establishment. Now, political and religion put together um, exudes more social structures, economic structures, you know, any kind of knowledge. Uh, structures of that time. So after Guru Nanak establishes Kartarpur after all of his uh, four Udasis, which was multiple, multiple years, and um, 
it, it's 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 uh, in order to understand why Kartarpur was established, we we also have to have a small episode of why why Guru Nanak went on the Udasis. And that answer comes to us also from Gurbani, from the Sid Gosh, where the Sid asked him that what why are are you traveling around? And his purpose of traveling around is very clear. Uh, he answers, I'm in search of the Gurmukhs, right? Of those that are guru oriented and guru inspired. So he goes and he uh, and he obviously converts not by force but by his interactions, those and and, and inspires others to become Gurmukhs at the time. And then when he when he comes back, he settles in Kartarpur. And he settles as a farmer. So this whole idea of a spiritualist is like an ascetic goes into the jungles and becomes one, quote-unquote, or finds Waiguru, quote-unquote, which, which Guru Sahib rejected this idea of being a recluse or being ascetic. He also rejected the idea of just being, you know, um, uh, economically well-established, socially well-established, and not having any sense of humility or seva in between. So this whole idea of um, the, the um, balance of life, he actually practices that, and he builds a community around it. And it's actually, it actually does not abide by the rules or laws of anything around it. So my point in what I'm trying to say is our gurus were not, only kind of uh, going against the religious structures of the time, they are also going against the political structures of the time. You know, like what prophet, what religious leader has a need to establish a city? Uh, we'll see in the subsequent gurus that cities were established from scratch. Punjab today has cities that never existed before the gurus came, came to Punjab. So, um, and um, let me tell you about a, another kind of uh, myth that I want to break. Um, uh, it it kind of gets into the second guru, but it's worth noting. So the, the Bailana Ji, and this Sakhi is very well known. Um, the first time, not the first time, but the, but the time when he leaves all and wants to go and see Guru Nanak was at time frame that Guru Nanak was now residing in Kathartur. And he, uh, Bailanaji is on his horse. He's he's uh, trotting away towards the direction of Kartarpur, and he sees an old man along the way, and he says, uh, "Can you please uh, point me in the direction of where Guru Nanak lives?" And the old man says, "Let me take you. Let me take you there." And while Bailanaji is on his horse, this old man walks um, uh, with the horse and takes him to a, a house and ties the horse and then disappears. When Pailanaji goes in, lo and behold, he sees that the old man who walked him to this house happens to be Guru Nanak. So what's the lesson of that story, right? Many years ago, we all collected together. The, the lesson of that story was that Guru Nanak is not the Guru Nanak that we see in the pictures, in the photographs, or in the paintings drawn today where he's nice and plump, there's a halo around him, he has a mala in his hand and, and loose clothing, just like a typical, you know, Indian picture of a holy man. Guru Nanak was a farmer. So, Pailanaji, you know, obviously Guru Nanak is divine. Obviously, Guru Nanak has an aura about him. 
But when the story is rendered about Pailanaji's meeting Guru Nanak, Guru Nanak is seen as a farmer, which he was. And someone who travels, like probably the second most traveled man in the world, you know, cannot be as plump and, you know, uh, as it's shown in the paintings. So this kind of image that we have painted of Guru Nanak as being like that is really needs to be restructured in our minds, understanding that he founded a city. In the city were, uh, you know, a community that the, the fruition of the, the Sangat idea begins over there. Everything is centered around Gurbani, around Ikonkar, sharing of, of uh, you know, uh, and earning an honest living and sharing all of those institutions, the institution of Langar, the institution of study, the institution of um, uh, economic prosperity, institution of, you know, basically Midipidi, religious or political, begins with Guru Nanak and it just gets, trans- it gets developed and transformed uh, um, into into the 240-year journey of, of, of the 10 Gurus. So, yeah, establishing of Kartarpur is a model for which then the next subsequent Gurus all continue to establish cities along their along the years as well. So a very important point uh, not to be forgotten. And each each episode we do, uh, please do remind me of which city was is worth highlighting or which guru established and what's the significance. Great, great. Not a problem, Indabreet. Um I think it's been a great podcast uh, learning about Guru Nanak. I learned a lot, as I do on every podcast. Um, I also want to let everybody know if there is something that you want to ask us, uh, please, um, you know, you can write to us at uh, info at org if there's a question that you want on, on the podcast. And hopefully we'll answer that in the next podcast before we get into the second guru. And we'll take your questions or comments or any feedback or something that we missed or we misspoke somewhere. So please definitely let us know. Um, you can go to info at org on the podcast notes. I'll have my um, Twitter handle on there so you could ask me directly. I'll also have Indipreet's Twitter handle on there so you could ask him directly to him. And if we have any um, questions, uh, we'll definitely answer them in the next podcast. So, uh, Indipreet, uh, before I let you go, any final thoughts on Guru Nanak uh, before we end the podcast? Well, yeah, I, I do have to say uh, for all your listeners, and for my, I, I, I'm pretty sure not, neither me nor nor anyone can do Guru Nanak justice. <laughs> um, there can be walls and walls of bookcases uh, written about Guru Nanak, um, and and I don't see, say this to be preachy or anything like that. But uh, my my buzurs, my my older generation used to tell me that. The only way to get to know Guru Nanak, at a minimum, is is to talk to him through Jabji Sab. So doing Jabji Sab every day is as if you're speaking with Guru Nanak and getting to know Guru Nanak. Um, so that's only my message to everyone. I try to do that. So I, um, I you know, because knowing Guru Nanak is not an academic study, is, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Knowing Guru Nanak is a is a study of the heart, is a is a connection of the heart, is is a, is a matter of love. So 
um, and and studying, reading, reciting, or listening to Jabji Sab is the best way to at least begin to start to know Guru Nanak. So that's the one message I'll leave everyone with regarding Guru Nanak. Um, and let's all try to connect with the Ikonkar that he revealed to us in Jabji Sab. And the pretty funny thing is, my grandparents said the same thing to me. So Exactly. Uh, I tell you, that, that's our culture. <laughs> It, it, it totally is. And Debrie, thanks for being on the podcast. I learned so much. I look forward to the next one. Um, again, appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Manfred. Bye, Guji Kakal. Bye, Guji Kakal. Bye, Guji Kakal.